Hey guys, thanks for incorporating these Bonaparte notes into your notes. A lot of this will probably be a review since you had to do some research on him, so we'll keep this short and sweet. Um, as you probably found out, he was born in 1769 in Corsica. In 1779, he joined a military school. Uh, he was a very capable student. Uh, in his free time, he studied great leaders, Alexander the Great, um, I mean, just any, Fred, the Fredericks of Prussia. He's really um, intrigued with military strategy, um, and leadership. Um, he then, um, graduated in 1784 and then moved on to a very prestigious military school in Paris and graduated in 1786. And by this point, he was the second, um, um, lieutenant in, um, uh, the army of France. All right. 1789, you know, we, um, are in the middle of the French revolution. The French revolution has begun and Bonaparte is the captain of the French troops in Corsica, all right? If you go back to your notes, you remember um, by 1790, France is now engaged in, in war with surrounding countries, right, because of uh, the War of Coalitions, all right? So 1793, we have the Siege of Toulon, and uh, it's Republican forces against a royalist rebellion in uh, southern France. He, now, he did get some help from England and Spain, uh, and that's essential um, for, um, for him. Um, and at this, he, does, he is extremely successful, and so he is uh, appointed Brigadier General. Um, oh, I probably should have asked. Oh, yeah, okay, I do have it up here. 1796, he married a young woman named Josephine. She was older than he is. Uh, she was previously married. Um, her husband um, died during the revolution, or we're still in the revolution, but whatever. And um, basically, um, the reason I tell you that is because she had two children with her first husband, and very important um, moving forward. Okay, so 1796, he's married, and he also is given command of the French army in Italy, all right? And, um, I mean, he's just, he's, he is remembered as a tactical genius. Um, he basically turned Italy into a series of French satellite states. Um, you know, he's immortalized, as you know. I mean, even if you didn't know about him, um, y you've at least heard of his name. Um, uh, propaganda like crazy, and most of this propaganda is <laughs> his own, um, 1798 he makes his way to egypt and um basically the if you remember at this point the brits are there and the brits are there because they're protecting india and so that whole region is is, is um english and what his goal is napoleon's goal is to con is to control strategic british trade routes and initially he he was doing pretty okay he was doing pretty good he would you know the locals liked him um, but, um, but basically he, um, at the battle of the Nile, he uh, was really running low on supplies and <clears throat> the French were forced to retreat and, um, the, tr his troops were extremely wore out. But here's the deal. Since there isn't like, there wasn't like Snapchat or immediate knowledge of what's going on. He literally abandoned his men made his way home and arrived, um, with his own propaganda. Like he is, he is, you know, the bee's knees. All right. <clears throat> and so that with propaganda is he, he makes it back, um, to France and 
no one knows that he <laughs> pretty much lost Egypt and, and abandoned his troops. All right. Um, 1799, there is a group of political conspirators essentially wanting to overthrow the National Convention and, um, or not the National Convention, uh, the Directory, I apologize. And um, um, Napoleon actually um, um, helps, sorry, sorry. Uh, Napoleon actually helps uh, overthrow the Directory and names himself First Counsel. Technically, there were um, two others with him, but he he was he was really truly in charge. Um, <clears throat> basically, what happens next is uh, we have the War of Second uh, Coalition, which basically is just a continuation of of the first War of Coalition. And um, keep in mind, you know, he is he is truly known for, um, you know, his his military brilliance. Um, uh, let's see, Russia, England, Austria. Um, okay, I want to focus on what he does within France because that's what's truly amazing. So, in addition to all of this that's happening outside of France, them fighting. Okay, so what does he do inside of France? So, in eighteen oh one, he issues a Concordat which basically is, um, you know, him um, a- acknowledging that um, Catholicism is a big deal and it's not going anywhere. And um, one other thing I do want to add about him is that he's really brilliant because he, even in Egypt, like he pretended to be Muslim and that's how so many of them, so many of the natives, like, um, supported him well he 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 realizes that in france they're all catholic so he needs to he's gonna pretend he needs to be catholic i mean he he's really quite quite genius um and so basically with with the concordat his he is recognizing that it's a national excuse me the, the national french religion however um uh, he will not give back the land that they had prior to the uh, french revolution okay um <clears throat> he uh institutes bank of france he um, um, expands education. Uh, the Napoleonic Code, extremely important. The Napoleonic Code basically is a, a streamlining of laws. Um, at this point in France's history, there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of um, laws. And so um, he, um, this, is, this is one of the most preserved aspects of the revolution. And he recognized the principle of equality before the law, the rights of the individual, uh, religious toleration, you know, the complete abolition of uh, feudalism and serfdom. Um, uh, let's see, what else do we have? Uh, for bureaucracy, he developed a powerful administration machine. You know, he, um, he kept the 83 de- departments from the revol- revolution, if you remember we talked about that. But instead of locally elected assemblies, he appointed new officials. Um, t- the tax collection was extremely sy- symptomatic. Um, they were collected by professionals. Uh, there were no tax exemptions. Um, now, he did create a new aristocracy. I mean, he needs someone to party with, right? <laughs> Um, in terms of a police, a police state, you know, I mean, you could, you could kind of think of, he is kind of like an enlightened despot. He, um, he, Joseph Fouché got a reputation during the reign of terror as being very terrifying. And so he, um, was put in charge of the spy system and opposition was ruthlessly putting down. Um, 
in addition, I mean, he was really, truly tightening his grip on power. Um, he uh, shut down 60 out of the 73 newspapers that were um, in France, total censor- bleh, censorship. Uh, Germain de Stahl, uh refused 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 to accept this and so he set up a salon in paris um wrote novels um political works but was eventually um exiled all right 1802 council for life um what's great about that is um this is basically him solidifying uh his you know his his very tight tight control over over the country um he uh, ends the war successfully of the Second Coalition with the Treaty of Amiens. And um, as a, to congratulate himself, he, um, the Russians also, um, how that war ended is the Russians refused to keep fighting him. So um, to congratulate himself, he built the Arc de Triomphe, 1804. He pro- officially proclaims himself as the emperor. It's very exciting. And he takes the crown from the Pope. It's a great image. He takes the crown literally from the Pope's hand and puts it on his head. And he creates his empire. And basically, there's three parts to his empire. The dependent states, uh, allied states, and, well, his the main nucleus part. And so for the dependent states, he puts... Um, his uh like siblings you know so like um his brother joseph became the king of spain um his sister caroline became uh queen of the northern italian states and then the allied states are basically just kind of like they they were defeated by him um um the war of third coalition basically 1803 to 1806 lots of opposition he's faced despite uh napoleon losing at the battle of trafalgar um he won he won the war of third coalition uh he was pretty brilliant on land um i have a pair of the battle of uh Austerlitz, and that was a a combined uh combined uh, army of austrians and russians and most historians consider that one of his absolute greatest victories um England is going to pose a problem for him. The English, you know, beat him at Trafalgar. And so he comes up with this um, concept of the continental system where he basically makes it illegal for anybody to trade with England. He's hoping to, quote unquote, suffocate them. It's not going to work. Um, Basically, I mean, England needs to trade. So if it worked, it would have been brilliant, but no one's going to listen to him. Um, What he then does is he creates once um, he, he wins... Wins this out. Um, he creates a confederation of the Rhine. Um, very, very important. I need to write this down. This is the first steps of unifying the German states. He took about 308 German states and basically combined them into about 38. Okay, so very, very important. Um, as you can imagine, Prussia freaking out um, because, um, I mean, he's defeating everybody. And, and Prussia is known for having this phenomenal um, army. Um, the war fourth coalition, uh, basically, um, Napoleon beats those and you have them listed there within a year treaty of tilts and it creates peace. It's humiliating to Prussia because he, Prussia had to give up some lands to Napoleon. Uh, the peninsular war, um, the, the Spaniards and the Portuguese hate being under his brother Joseph. So they launch a massive campaign. Um, the image you're looking at, that is uh, Goya as a painter, and it's called the 3rd of, 3rd of May, and it just shows how horrific this, this 
a battle was. I mean, you just had soldiers shooting at just normal people. Like, not even armed is, is my point. Um, the War of Fifth Coalition in 1809. Austria and Britain. Excuse me. Well, now keep in mind he's fighting in Spain. Napoleon leaves his troops in Spain to fight the War of Fifth Coalition. He destroys them. But um, he lost one small battle and that was all it took <laughs> that one little win was a psychological victory for his his um um uh for the enemies now um why i brought up his wife josephine earlier and uh the reason i did is because um she was not able to have any of his children so he needed a baby so he divorced her and married a very young girl who was actually related to the bourbons funny huh full circle they do have a son in 1812, he officially overreached himself. He um, declared war on Russia because Russia was openly trading with England. Remember his continental system. And Russia, as they were pushed back, they scorched the earth. This is something that we will talk about again when we get to the Grand uh, Great Wars. Um, now, Napoleon is forced to turn around because of his resources were stretched, but because, all, because also winter and his, his men were not... The harsh winter just rushes winter. Yeah, you can leave it at that. <laughs> the War of Six Coalition. Uh, the Rush, the Prussians are really excited that he is having to turn around. Um, so they put together the Sixth Coalition. And basically, um, Napoleon is physically worn down. He's mentally worn down. You know, his, you know, he was, he was one, he'd stay up. He would sleep maybe three hours because he was always like coming up with like battle plans. Um, and so basically he ends up, um, um, surrounded he uh is exiled to elba off the coast of italy he sneaks back in <laughs> he makes his way back uh in 1815 he returns to france it's called the hundred days um basically there is an army um raised by the britons brits and the prussians and um we have the battle of waterloo and uh the battle of excuse me the battle of waterloo is um just so you know horrible 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 weather um horrible um um communication um marshal ney um was one of his top uh generals and most historians believe that he he lost this battle because of bad coordination um between cavalry and artillery um fun fact the battle didn't actually take place in waterloo um Wellington's base was there and sent notes to the British. Uh, Wellington's, Wellington's troops were an international coalition. Um, um, Napoleon um, had also, just fun fact for your day, had horrible hemorrhoids at this point. Um, it really prevented him from riding a horse to survey the battlefield. So again, re really relying on his general's bad communication. Um, and um, he is going to uh, lose this. Uh, fun fact for your day, Waterloo te teeth. Um, the front teeth of dead soldiers were used as dentures. So that's your fun fact for the day. He is um, banned to Saint Mount St. Helena, which is an island off the coast of West Africa, and died in 1821. There's a conspiracy with his death. Possibly was he, his, his guards were British. Maybe they poisoned him. Um, he, he, they, they, uh, the British do give his body back to France. Um, the name Clausewitz, extremely important man. Clausewitz is Prussian and he fought against Napoleon Bonaparte. Um, because I'm looking, this took so long. We will talk more about Clausewitz soon. Very, very important man. Okay. Thanks guys. Bye.